Amen. Wow. Thank you. Incredible. Well, our scripture lesson today comes from Revelations chapter 3. Hear the word of God. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I have come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I'm talking about wake up, which means we're discussing sleeping beauty. There's always a method to the madness, you know. Well, it's Valentine's weekend, and I thought it'd be appropriate for us to dive into a love story, Sleeping Beauty. And by the way, guys, it's uh, Valentine's tomorrow, okay? I got my wife a, 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 a new bag and a new belt. This should make the vacuum run a little smoother, okay? <laughs> so I uh, just wanted to put that out there. Um, so the storyline in our uh, fairy tale is about a princess, Aurora. She is born to a king and a queen, and they named her after the Roman goddess of the dawn. And right off the bat, I can't help but just say, do you realize that you have a special name from your King Jesus? It's in Revelations 2.17. Nobody knows the name except for him. He has a pet name for you. That's so intimate and personal his relationship with you is all about. And here we are at the christening, the baptism of this, this brand new baby. And three fairies show up to bestow gifts. The first fairy says, you're going to be beautiful. And she is. The second one gives her the gift of song. She has this incredible voice. And right when the third fairy is about to step in, we're introduced to Maleficent, the mistress of evil. She's upset because she didn't get invited. wonder why. Okay. And the idea is she's going to die before her 16th birthday. She'll put her finger on a, a spindle. And, you know, some people, they get upset when they don't get invited to a party. I always get mad that I don't get invited to the party that I didn't plan on going to. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you heard about the one women's association at a church. You know, they, they had this spring bash planned, and they invited all the women of the congregation to come, except they forgot to invite the oldest matriarch of the church. And when they realized their oversight, they tried to rectify it and say, hey, well, we want you to come. And she says, it's too late. I've already prayed for rain. Okay. <laughs> and, and I guess, you know, as we go through life, we're going to get slights. We're going to have people offend us. And it's best if you and I just go through, you know, all of our relationships with grace and, and extend mercy and love and, and, and create a different atmosphere than, than resentment. And so 
the evil Maleficent, she disappears, and we realize the third fairy has not yet given her, her gift. And she's not powerful enough to undo what Maleficent pronounced over Sleeping Beauty, or Aurora at the time, but she says this, if she touches the spindle, instead of dying, she'll fall asleep and can only be awakened by true love's kiss. Come on, it's Valentine's, all right? I'm working the angles here. And then the king does something uh, rather significant. He tries to fortify himself against, you know, this, this curse. He orders all spindles in the kingdom destroyed. And, 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 you know, in terms of our spiritual journey, we're called to make the same extreme commitment against the curse. You know, in Romans 13, 14, it says, make no provisions for the flesh. Or again, in Hebrews 13, 14, excuse me, 12, 4, in your struggles against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood. Such is the, the, the well protective hedge we're supposed to put around our, our souls and our spiritual journey. I think it's amazing that right now, all over the globe, we have Christians who are being persecuted to death, which they will gladly accept rather than denying or dishonoring the Lord. And, and let's go back a moment. <clears throat> Notice here we're at this beautiful baptism, and um, who shows up? An unwanted guest with curses trying to ruin this special moment. And it's kind of a reminder that you and I, you know what, we are in a spiritual battle. There is a, a spiritual warfare going on. We have a real foe that wants to roll marbles under our feet, cause us to fall. And, and the fact of the matter is, um, this is the journey through life. You know, our eyes are on Jesus who gets us through everything. And when we take them off, usually the storms of life can sink us. And, and it's kind of intriguing the way a similar fate occurred with humanity that happens in Sleeping Beauty. When Aurora, she, she uh, touches the spindle and she falls asleep and the whole kingdom is put to sleep. And that's kind of what happened when sin entered the world. You know, the whole kingdom had a, a, a spiritual, you know, sleep rest over us, and, and rather than enjoying the blissful relationship with God that we were supposed to, now we had to endure the devastation and ramifications of sin. You know, we were spiritually asleep instead of alive in that relationship with God. And I can't help but point out the similarities between the Christians in Revelations chapter 3 and Christians today. Asleep. Oh, yeah, I mean, our pulse is still, you know, moving through our bodies, but when it comes to building the kingdom of God... You know, we choose to, to prefer our comfort zone. We're just going through the motions. We're waiting to get to heaven. And, and we don't realize that you and I, you know, are, are, we have a calling to disrupt culture and bring about the, the, the awareness of God's love and availability and desire to, to touch people's lives. That irrational love that, that forgives sins so that he can step in and, and be focused on our relationship with each one of us. It's amazing. He's not concerned about what you did yesterday. He's interested in you and him going together forward right now. And this is what it means to fight the good fight. We just love the people around us. And, and when we do so, we end up seeing God released through us. You know what I want to say? When a church becomes comfortable, we lose our witness. We lose our power. 
You know, we lose our purpose. And, and the church is made up of people. And it all starts with each one of us. How are we doing in terms of, you know, being awake to the spiritual realities and your, your awareness of your identity and the desire of God to move through each one of us? You know, this one family moved from a Presbyterian church to an Episcopal church. And, you know, the little girl's friend asked, why did your family move? And she said, well, my mom likes the Episcopal lethargy better. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. You know, I can remember telling that one church, you know, it's, you're supposed to tithe. And this guy got so upset. I can't believe you're saying we're supposed to tithe. I've never heard this in a church all my life. I'm leaving this church and going to a place where they're not going to talk about tithing. Another church I was at, I said, Jesus is Lord, and he gets to direct your path. This woman said, I'm leaving this church. No one's going to tell me what to do. You know, and I'm like, this is basic Christianity, you know. <laughs> Jesus directs your path, and you're supposed to give and care about other people. But we move to churches that are going to tell us what we want to hear so we can stay asleep, comfortable, get blessed, and, and nothing's required of us. And, and friends, this is just not what Jesus has in mind for any of us. And here's the good news, okay? Jesus came, and when he found people who were dead, he referred to them as merely being asleep, okay? It's kind of cool, because for him, to live is Christ and to die is gain, right? For Jesus, death is merely the passageway to eternal life. When you die, you don't stop living. You just move to the next realm, into heaven with God. And, and, and by the way, when Jesus finds people who are dead. You know, he's got this interesting approach. He has an agenda to break into our dead-end habits, to break into our dead-end hopes and dreams, our failures, the overwhelming crises that all of us have to feel like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to die. He wants to step into our world and revive us and bring abundant life, eternal life, the presence of God to each one of us. That's his agenda. And, you know, so last week we sang a song, as long as you're breathing, there's still hope for a miracle. And, and I actually wrote it down because I was still breathing, okay? And, and I needed a miracle. In fact, yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. When you write it down, when you're looking for it, guess who shows up? God. He, he's part of your journey. He's interested in what you pray, what you're after, what you're pursuing, and, and the fact of the matter is, he sees the hope, the potential, the fulfillment of his plans for your life. And he's kind of waiting for us to grab his hand and step forward and, and move that way. You know, last week I talked about the, the 12-year-old girl that was dying and the synagogue official said, Jesus, will you, you know, touch her before she dies? And on the way to his house, she dies. And Jesus says, she's not dead. She's merely asleep. And everybody laughed at Jesus. And, and I think, you know, sometimes, you know, people might laugh at us when we believe in hope against hope. You know, well, you have fourth stage cancer. Well, you know, get your affairs in order. And, you know, no, actually, my affairs is I'm meeting with the Lord because I'm, I'm going to live. I'm, I'm putting my hope in him. You know, you're looking at a, a, a broken situation in your life, and, well, you know, I guess I have to move on. No, you belong to God. You can ask him to step in. And this is the kind of faith that moves both the hand and the heart of God. Sometimes we, we get so trapped that we can't look left or right. We can't look forward or backwards. But you know what we can do? 
we can look up. And guess what we find? A God who's ready to move into our lives and, and show up with his power. Amen. Well, let's get back to sleeping beauty. Um, <clears throat> it's all about um, the prince finding his woman. And it's Valentine's Eve, all right? <laughs> well, that guy's smooth. Yeah, we met in your dreams, remember? Okay. And, and you know what's kind of amazing is, is we... We meet Jesus, and, and his love is, is, is something that we, we grasp, and we understand, and we receive, and we, we start to step into that relationship. And, and well, in this situation, Sleeping Beauty, um, <clears throat> she gets distracted from the moment. She has to run back. The evil Maleficent finds her. Uh, puts a spell on her, and, and, and look what happens. It's all bad. And, you know, I was thinking about this. All of us have had that personal moment with God, and it's special. But then in Mark 4, it talks about the, the seed that goes out on the path, and immediately the devil comes, and some people, they never even get to, to, to develop that, that relationship with Jesus beyond the introduction. Other people, trials and persecution comes along, and it causes them to disconnect from that, that initial awareness of, of Jesus who loves you. The American problem, we get distracted by wealth and the desires for other things and the worries of the world, and the next thing you know, uh, we, we, it chokes our relationship with the, the Lord who loves us. And, and, and I just want you to know that wherever you are on this journey, whatever's happened to you in life, you belong, that initial conversation where Jesus loves you and he's always going to be with you. And he's available to move in your life. And he's got heaven waiting for you. And, 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 and I want you to understand that that's the truth. And Satan wants to rob and, and, and disrupt and interfere and destroy that, that connection that you have with the Lord. And let's not allow him. Let's pursue that initial realization. God loves me and he's going to get me through this problem. And, and then as you pursue it, as you stay close in that relationship, that's when the spiritual miraculous takes place. And, you know, Satan loves to operate in a way where he puts a spell on us, where he, you know, confuses us, where he's, you know, always trying to interfere with, with his, the calling of Jesus. Now, according to 1 Peter 5, 8, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And, and in Jesus' case, it says that Satan was looking for an opportune time. And I think, you know, a lot of times we're not aware that, that, you know, he's just looking for that moment where he can, you know, interfere with our relationship with God. And a lot of times it's when we're tired, when we're afraid, when we're exhausted, when we're bored. You know, it's important that you and I are aware of our moods and, and when we're vulnerable because that's when he's going to strike and that's when he wants to get into your heads. And, and his goal is to forever put you to sleep. And that's why the spiritual battle matters. And you have to take your foe seriously. Now, Maleficent, she's got Sleeping Beauty sleeping forever. And the prince comes to find her and she captures him. Okay? And, well, he wants to make sure that the kiss doesn't happen. And, and I, I kind of was thinking about this. And, you know, Satan tried to capture Jesus on the cross. 
You know, he's thinking Jesus is out cruising the world, healing people, raising the dead, sharing the gospel message. He's changing this world with the love of God, and I got to kill him, put him on the cross. But I don't want you to ever underestimate the good side. You see, in our story, the prince, the fairies helped the prince escape from Maleficent's prison. It kind of like the way the angels helped Peter escape from prison when he was going to die in the morning. I want you to know that you have angelic assistance available to you. In Hebrews 1.14, angels are ministering spirits who serve those who inherit salvation. Guess what I'm telling you is you got celestial backup, all right? And, and, and by the way, with these angels, I don't want you praying to them. I want you praying to God and let Jesus assign who he's going to put to to step in on your path, okay? He might just be the one, the Holy Spirit's power released upon you, okay? I don't want you to get sidetracked by angelology. But here's where the prince goes into action and saves his bride. You'll notice that he has a sword and a spirit, excuse me, a shield to face the evil one, okay? And, and the evil one turns herself into a dragon, which is kind of interesting. The, you know, our evil one became a reptile also. And, and, and what's kind of a trip is, you know, the Prince Jesus, when he first squared off with Satan in the desert, he has a sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Every time Satan tried to play head games with him, Jesus met him with the Word of God. And not only when he first encountered Satan, but when he was on the cross. A lot of people don't realize just about everything Jesus said was pure scripture. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's Psalm 22. Into thy hands I commit your spirit. Right out of the, one of the little books of the, the Old Testament. In fact, I was reading through them recently. I'm like, there it is. You know, that's what Jesus said on the cross. He was picking it out, applying it to his death for our sins. And, and, and I guess, you know, that's why I'm always leaning on you. To what? Read a chapter a day. I want to have the word of God in your head, moving through your soul, always guiding your path, reminding you of, of, of his promises and his help. And, and you know, our prince, he, he dealt with the ancient serpent using the shield of faith. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, it says this, that he believed the Father would raise him up. He had to put into motion, you know, here's the source of life, going to die. And he probably had to choose to allow it to happen. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He, he, he is life. And for him to die, it's kind of an impossibility unless he decides to let it happen. And so he does. And he believed that God would raise him from the dead. Jesus went to absorb our sins. We chose to bring sin into the world. Bad decision. It doomed us, and Jesus said, you know what? The love that I have for you is so intense that I'm going to sacrifice myself and make sure that you can forever have access to who you were supposed to be, a daughter and son of the living God. You know, and Jesus went to the cross believing, and, and I guess this is our invitation. Do you believe that, that he loves you? Despite all your failures and struggles, do you believe that he answers your prayers? Do you believe that, that he's got heaven waiting for you? Or, or do you believe that the spirit of God dwells within you and wants to release the power of his love inside of each one of you? Because when you believe these things, it changes the way you live. It, it changes the way you see a difficult moment. 
Suddenly, you're like, you know what? I believe God loves me. I believe God's for me. And I believe he can step into this situation. And, and this is what Jesus did on the cross. And this is what you and I are called to do. Well, <clears throat> it's kind of wild to see the great extents that the prince was willing to go through to save Sleeping Beauty. A little bit of action. Okay. Come on. Did you see all the thorns that he had to, to go through? You know, Jesus, he wore the crown of thorns. Remember when the original curse happened? Now the ground will produce for you thorns and thistles. And guess what? Jesus put the crown of thorns on to reverse the curse. And the sword of truth in the, in the story? Yeah. You know, we've already talked about it. It's the word of God that, that helps us defeat the foes that we face. And, and, and you know what's powerful is, is the extent that the prince went through willing to, to risk his life for the one he loves. And do you not feel the power of God's love for you? Risking his life, giving his life, because that's how much he loves you. And then it's Valentine's, okay? It's the kiss that brings her back to life. And, and you know what? Jesus offers us the same life-giving kiss, an invitation to have that intimacy with God, to, to move from some pardoned sinner into that place where you're part of the family. You're his beloved. You're the one he cares about. This is the gospel message. This is what it's all about. God so loved you that he gave his only son, that if you believe in him, you know, you'll never perish but have eternal life. Supposed to die because of sin, but you'll never perish because that's how much God loves you. Amen. You know, there's a Bible verse that I, I want to pull up, Romans chapter 8. It's pretty radical. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future or any powers are able to separate us from the love of God. I want you to hear this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. So on this Valentine's Eve, this is the message I want you to take forward. You belong to a God who did everything possible, gave himself completely, poured himself into you so that you would live in his love. Heavenly Father, today we're awed by how much you desire us, how much you were willing to fight for us, to defeat the foe that was out of our league so that we could have tender fellowship with the amazing God of the universe. And so right now, I invite every single one of us just to stop and Take your trial and say, Lord, this is the big deal, and realize that his cross has given you access to overcome whatever it is. For those of us sleeping, it's time to wake up, time to get on with the calling of spreading the love of Jesus Christ to everyone possible. And for everybody, I just want to say it one time succinctly, God loves you. Amen indeed.